You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, I'm starting a a series of messages uh, called The Winner's Circle. And it's amazing how many different titles of Winner's Circle are on the internet. As I I looked on there, well, I thought I was being original, but I see I'm not. (laughs) Anyway, uh, uh, I'm titling the the specific message today, Victory in Jesus. We've got victory in Jesus. uh, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I want you to know today that you were, if you're a born-again Christian, you were born to win. Every born-again Christian is born to win. God created us to be winners. The Bible tells us that we're more than conquerors through Christ in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 39. If you want to be a winner... You need to join the winning team. Amen? Doesn't do you any good to be a spectator. You can actually be in the game. You can be a winner. John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him can be a winner. That's the promise. Romans chapter 10, verse 3 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the promise that we have. We're winners, folks. We're winners. I read somewhere that we're... We're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. The victory has already been declared. Amen? Victory is the beginning point for the child of God. Now thanks be to God who always, not sometimes, not most of the time, but always, always leads us to triumph or victory in Christ. And through us, listen to this, through us, we have the victory, and through us, he diffuses or he spreads abroad the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Wherever we go, we spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus. I I read an illustration or a a thing in in the book of Joel Osteen's book, You Can, You Will. 
He shares eight undeniable qualities of winners that can help you to reach your potential. Everyone has a potential. Very few of us live up to our potential. You are created to be a winner. Get these eight principles deep down inside of your of you and boldly go into the direction of your destiny. And these are the eight. Keep your vision in front of you. Remember, it's your vision. You share your vision with someone else and you're guaranteed not, you're not going to be sharing very long before you're going to find that someone don't agree with your vision. Don't let it worry you. It's not their vision. If they, do, if they can't grasp it, it's your vision. It's a vision that God has given you and you need to be onto that. Keep your vision in front of you. Dare to dream big dreams. God puts something in your heart. Don't let anyone dissuade you. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not real, that you can't do it. If God said you can, doesn't matter how many people says you can't. Run your race, number two. Run your race. Focus on the unique course and goals that God has given you. Again, remember, it's your vision and it's your race. Every one of us individually has a race to run. And so we need to focus on our vision and our course and go for it. Number three, expect good things. Anticipate great opportunities. Our natural minds incline towards the negative. It's easier to think I can't than to think I can. But I can look into the Word of God, and the Word of God tells me that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So I'm going to choose to believe God's Word. I don't care who says I'm foolish. I don't care who says I'm old-fashioned. I don't care about any of these things. God said I can do all things through him, which gives me the strength. And I'm proving that every day of my life, if to no one else, to myself. Amen? Praise the Lord. Have a positive mindset. Take control of your thoughts and your attitudes. John 4, 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stand on those words. If it was good for Paul, it's good for me. Amen? Keep growing. Be proactive. Be intentional. Build on your gifts and continually improve. You know, God has given every one of us gifts. We can choose not to use either one of them. We can choose not to do anything for the kingdom of God. Just have the attitude, well, one of those days I've been serving God all my life, whatever that means for me. You know, like I, I didn't go on any mission trip. 
I didn't witness to any souls. But I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And one of those days I'm going to fly away. Well, I don't know how that works, but we need to keep growing. We don't want to be stunted in our spiritual growth. We want to be healthy Christians. Serving others, serve others. Number seven, serve others. Invest yourself in others. There is nothing more rewarding than to be able to speak a word of encouragement to somebody and see them come out of depression or oppression or a difficult situation that defines themselves in and you know that you've helped them to get on the right track. There's nothing like sharing Jesus with somebody and see them accept Christ into their life and watch them grow and become a powerhouse for God. And then number eight, stay passionate. Like, like the fire within and, and approach life with enthusiasm. When I speak to you folks, I speak out of a, out of a, a desire in my heart a passion that God has given me. I could read off my notes, but you'd be bored to tears. But when the things that I say comes from my heart and you know and you understand that this is not just words that I'm speaking, but God is in, empowering me and anointing me to be able to speak the word, the truth to you, it livens your heart as well. It sparks your heart and your soul. When you're passionate about something, others catch it. So when you speak to your neighbor about your experience with Christ, if you're passionate about about what God has done for you and your relationship with him. If you're passionate about your church and what God is doing for people in your church family, it arouses an interest. It causes people to think, wow, I got to go and see what's really going on there. William Carey, a Baptist missionary to India, wrote these words many, many years ago. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt to do great things for God. A victorious life is really should be the normal for a Christian. If you're living in defeat, then you're not, you are living below your potential. You're living below your means. You've got so much at your disposal that you don't have to live in defeat. God always causes us to triumph in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he's the master builder. 
He's building his church, folks. And you're it. You're it. He's building you. He wants to build into your life. He wants to make you stronger. He wants to make you more powerful. He wants to make you more successful in your life, in your home, as a father, as a mother, in your career. Whatever you choose in life, he wants to make you a success. And he has given you everything that you need, all of the tools to be the best that you can be. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He wasn't talking about a building. He wasn't talking about a denomination. He was talking about people who come together in his name and worship and adore him and decide to show him in their own feeble ways how much they love him and how much they appreciate what he has done for them. We are winners because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a winner. He has never lost a battle, but he allowed them to beat him to a pulp. He allowed them to nail him to a cross, and they pierced his side and they put him in a tomb, but the grave couldn't hold him. He rose triumphant over death, and he's alive forevermore. We serve a living God. We're not praying to an idol. We're not praying to some dead God. We're praying to one who is alive, who sits at the right hand of the Father and is there to make intercession for us at all times. He said, because I live, you shall live also. John 14, 19. In John 11, 25 to 26, we have the story of when he rose, raised Lazarus from the grave. Mary and Martha were quite upset that their brother had died. Just before he raised him from the dead, he said to Mary, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. He's the great I am. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they die. Even though they die a physical death. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. They will experience eternal life. They will spend eternity in the presence of God. His death and resurrection for sinners has produced eternal life for all who believe. Our victory is in Jesus. There's an old song that we used to sing one time, way, way back. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. 
How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning and his precious blood atoning. And I repented of my sin and won the victory. That's the day I became a winner when I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And then the chorus goes like this, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his eternal blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath his cleansing blood. Jesus is the key to our victory. It is in him and through him that we win every battle. If we're not victorious, it's because we're not trusting in him. Jesus has done everything necessary to assure our victory over sin, the world, and the devil. But we must keep focused. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's got the say of what happens in my life. He determines how far the enemy can go. He's the one who draws the line in the sand and says, this far, no further. Zig Ziglar said, you were born to win. But to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. We don't just sit down and just twiddle our thumbs and say, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. You've got to say in your victories. You can decide to stand upon the word of God and the promises of God and put defeat where it belongs, in the devil's lap. Don't allow the storms of life to di dictate your destiny. If you'll bow to every storm and every wind that comes into your life, you'll be so deep in depression It'll take all of the John Deere's in the world to pull you out. And they still won't get you out. Don't allow your weakness to defeat you. Jesus came to set you free from every besetting sin, from every habit, from every addiction. We have victory in Jesus, folks. Victory in Jesus. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And he causes us to triumph.
The old rugged cross is a symbol of our victory. 1 John 3.8 in the New Living Translation says, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Now that doesn't say that we don't sin from time to time. But we don't make a practice of it. We don't say, I'll go and have a good time tonight. I'll get drunk. I'll do all of the things that I ever did. No matter how bad it is. And then I'll come and I'll ask Jesus to forgive me. and He'll forgive me. Don't presume on the grace of God like that. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, Because God's children are human beings. This is again the New Living Translation. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also, that is Jesus, became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Who had the power of death. You get me? Had the power of death. He don't have the power of death anymore. He had it. But Jesus took uh, took the power of death from him. Amen? Jesus became flesh and blood. He was the God-man. That means he was 100% man. But he was also 100% God. Don't try to figure it out. It'll drive you crazy. (laughs) Just believe it. The Bible tells us. Okay? Believe what the Bible says. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took our place. He suffered as a sinner for you and me. The devil thought he had won. His enemies figured he was finished. But he said, when he said it is finished, he meant that the price for our sin was paid in full. We could now go free. All we had to do is accept it and we could be free. We could be winners along with him. The world saw the cross as a defeat, but God planned it as victory over sin and sickness and all of the works of the devil. Because Jesus through death nullified or rendered powerless the devil's power and the work of the devil in our lives. The devil is still active, though. Don't forget that. The devil is still active. He's still the prince and the power of the air. Of the power of the air. Okay? We are in a spiritual battle. Whether you want to believe it or not. Some people say, oh, I don't believe in spiritual warfare. Well, that's up to you. You're still in it. (laughs) We are in a spiritual battle today. But Jesus made the devil powerless against us. Against his church. We need to put on the whole armor of God, as the Bible tells us to do. And to put on the whole armor of God, 
is to put on Jesus, okay? Apply his word, apply his promises, be led by the Spirit. These are the ways that you fight against the devil. The only power that the devil has over the child of God is in what we allow. We give him too much leeway, we allow him too much. Amen? If you believe his lies, you'll walk in defeat. And that's really the only power that the devil has is in his lies to get you to believe a lie. And you start walking in defeat. If you resist the, the devil, the Bible tells us in James 4, 7, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He'll run away. Like a little puppy with his tail between his legs, he'll run away. He'll flee from you. You resist his lies and his attempts to deceive you by believing the truth of the word. That's where you put your trust in. You don't put your trust in a lie of the devil. You put your trust in the word of God. The word of God is truth. Amen? Know what is written in the word. Get into that word. Study it. Throw away some of those silly books that you're reading. And open up the Bible and start reading that. That's where you will have victory. You've got enough head knowledge already. Get some heart knowledge. The word of the Lord is spirit. And it is truth. And it gets down into your spirit, into your, into your spirit man. The stuff that you have up here. It's not going to help you if you don't have something in here. And folks, don't get me wrong, it's not either or. I'm forgetting as much education as you can. Get as much as you can hold. But at the same time, not at the expense of having none of God's word hidden in your heart. Our victory is not confined to one place. 2 Corinthians 2.14, let me read it again. Now thanks be to God who always, say always with me, always leads me in triumph in Christ and through us, say through us, say through me, through me, he causes us to diffuse or to spread abroad the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. It's not confined to one place. It's not confined to having a scripture shower in the church. Wherever you go, you take that word with you. You share that word, what is in your heart. You say, Pastor, I'd, I'd love to know the Bible. I'd know, love to be able to remember what I read. But do you know something? When I, when I read a chapter and I close the book, I don't know for the life of me what I've read. Don't worry about that. That's your head. 
I'm talking about your heart, folks. I'm talking about getting it down. Every time you read it, you're depositing something in your spirit that's going to, to help you and to, and to guide you in a later date. Amen? And that's what you want. Amen? He always leads us in triumph in Christ. He uses us to spread the word like a sweet perfume in every place. It's not that we're victorious sometimes in some situations. It's always. God's intention is that we always have victory in every place, in every situation. Now, you're going to say, well, because I'm sure that since I've been preaching, there's got to be somebody here saying, oh, pastor, you know, like, you don't, you don't understand. I mean, you're really being, uh, I don't know what you call it, hype or something. But uh, what about you? Are you always rejoicing in victory and that is yours in Jesus? Well, if you're like me, not always, right? We don't always rejoice in victory. But it could be. We could be rejoicing always. And we should be rejoicing always. Because God has said we have the victory. We're more than conquerors. Amen? So if I'm more than a conqueror, usually when I see someone that they win, even if they win one game, I mean, you take the Oilers, you know, they're probably a little bit better than 50% of their games they're winning this year. But every game they win, they're just, hey, we're the greatest, right? When they lose, they're trying to find an excuse for why they, why they lost. But you know something? As a Christian, even when we're going through a battle, even when everything with our knowledge and our reasoning says we're not winning, what does the Bible say? We're more than a conqueror. What are we going to believe? Are we going to say, well, God is a liar? Are we going to say, well, you know, like God must have made a mistake because I'm sure not winning now? Folks, I read the end of the book. We win. We're winners. Even when you're going through a difficult time, you've got to know there's a God in heaven who's looking down upon you and he's saying, I've got you. I've got you covered. Too often we take our eyes off Jesus and Satan seems to be winning. We find ourselves under the circumstances rather than reigning over the circumstances. God has equipped his children to live victoriously and be winning the battle against Satan. Romans chapter 8. Let me just read it. Starting at 31. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Condemn all you like, devil. I've got a one in heaven who is making intercession for me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This assures me that I'm a winner. We need to lay hold of what Jesus has purchased for us at Calvary. And we need to come to grips with the fact that those 70 or 80 or 90 years go like a, like a flash. It's like a vapor. Ask me, I've been here 75 years and it's like a dream. Ask Sister Exani, she'll tell you the same thing. Another 20 years don't make too much difference. Amen? Life is short, folks. This is a dressing room for eternity. What God has planned for us is far greater than anything we have experienced on our best day here on this earth. Someone may say, if this is true, why do I have so much trouble? Why is the Christian life? such a struggle. We need to understand that victory, what victory is. Victory is not the absence of struggles. You get me? Victory is not the absence of struggles. It's not the absence of life problems. It's not the absence of sickness and disease. It's something much more than that. The Bible, and in conclusion, by the way, Ernie, <laughs> the Bible do not teach us <clears throat> that if you become a Christian, all your problems will be over. Heartache and disappointment, job issues and family issues and health issues come to everyone. Nowhere in all of God's Word is it taught that the Christian life is trouble-free. In fact, let me share you some biblical illustrations before we close. Paul was a man who was well acquainted with adversity and trouble. 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, suffer trials, suffer hardships. David was familiar with heartache and disappointment and opposition. 
And he wrote in Psalm 34, 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen? Paul had just told us that we are always victorious. Now look at what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Because he had a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That the one who had promised is able to perform it. Amen? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. When you go through the floods, they will not overflow you. Amen? You may be in a situation and you think there's no way out. And yet there is a way out. If you know Jesus, there's always a way out. Amen? I went to see a man this week in, in, in the hospital. It was on Friday, I think it was Friday, Friday evening, they called me. This is a man who served the Lord. He's 95 years of age. Served the Lord all of his life, just about all of his life. He was an evangelist. Spoke all over the world. Mostly overseas. Never ever married. All of his family are gone home. Passed on. He just has a few friends. Some friends had him to come to Coal Lake. But he was in the hospital, and I don't know how he's doing today, but they phoned and said they, he was a pastor, and they wanted the pastor to come and pray with him, and I went to pray with him. But you know, there's a reward for people who spend their life for Jesus. I looked at this man. His life is basically over. And yet, he has a rich, fulfilling life. He served God. Only eternity will reveal how many people are in the kingdom of heaven because of this one man. And that's what it's about, folks. This life goes quickly. There's always a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 no temptation or trial has ever overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You need to trust him to walk beside you when you're going through a dark trial. Rather than get bitter over something or someone did or said, let it go. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. God keeps good records, folks. God keeps good records. You can trust in him. The way out is to rely on the word of God, the promises of God. 
Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. One of those days I'm going to preach a message on that because when we read that, the first thing that comes to our mind is all the, the obvious sins. But this is a powerful verse. It is clear the words of Scripture have a power that enables us to resist temptation. You remember the temptations of Jesus. In each case, Jesus responded to the proposition of Satan by quoting Scripture. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Again, he responds to Satan and he says, It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And any of you who have read these scriptures know that Satan was quoting scripture to Jesus. And Jesus quoted back to him. And then finally, he said, Satan, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. This is how you activate your power to be a winner. In your living and in your giving, in your health and in your wealth, you stick to the word of God. What do the word of God say? If we go outside of that, folks, we're in trouble. Joshua 1.8, this, this is the last. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We're winners, folks. Let's rejoice. Let's la act like winners. Let's shout and give glory to God. Amen? Let's get that song going again. And if you need prayer today, just come. We're ready to pray with you. Amen? Stand. Let's have some fun. We're in church, you know. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.